Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is October 14th, and your Nittany Lions are 6-0 after a gritty win at Kinnick. I don't, I'm losing words already. It's, I'm still like, it's 48 hours after this game, and I'm already losing my words. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host, Pat. This is our first true long-distance podcast. Uh, Pat is in Los Angeles as normal. I am in a... La Quinta Inn in Albuquerque, New Mexico, part of my road trip back to uh, back to New York. Pat, how the hell are you, man? Uh, pretty good, but this is not our first long-distance podcast. We have done them while I'm in New Jersey before. Yeah, I guess so, but that always felt <laughs> that always felt temporary, though. You know, we knew we were That's coming true. back. This is this is the first That's real one. The beginning of our long-distance relationship. Yeah, you know what? I think we're gonna make it through, though. If we keep gotten out wins like this, I think we'll be just fine. I um, believe in us. But yeah, chilling, chilling in a, a, a decent hotel room, looking to in and suites here. You were just telling me, though, uh, when you did a similar trip, you had a, a stop in Albuquerque as well? Yes, I had this, like, uh, voucher for a free hotel room at, it was, I think it was like a Best Western might have been. Okay. But I got, like, the presidential suite for free. And there's not, a, it was an incredible room, like, giant bed uh they're like one of those like jacuzzi tubs kind of in the room not even in the bathroom that's like in the actual room and there's not a ton to do in albuquerque so i just like sat in this jacuzzi tub eating domino's pizza drinking coke <laughs> like watching tv they tried power through the hangover that was nine days of drinking on the road <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is the height of luxury. Um, but anyway, that's not what people are here 100%. to listen to. People are here to listen to us talk about this game. Uh, like I said, we are a little bit late since I've been traveling here, but uh, my adrenaline's still running, man. So before we get into, you know, there's a bunch to talk about. What's your what's your general feeling? You know, how did you feel immediately after the game? How are you feeling now? What's uh, what's going on in your world? I mean, this game gave me some agita. It was just start to finish. I, I never felt comfortable. And yeah. I'm all in on our defense, though, is how I really feel. I'm all in on Penn State's defense. Uh, the offense, you know, it still needs more consistency. I think it's honestly the big thing more than anything else. It has to be more consistent. And I feel like Noah Kane should officially be our guy at the running back position. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with a lot of that, and uh, we will get into all of that in just a bit, breaking down our offense, defense, special teams, we'll give out our awards, um, but a couple of quick hitters at the top, uh, so AP poll drops, and Penn State jumps up to number seven uh, from number 10. We talk about this pretty much every week. Again, you know, it's, it's more indicative than anything. CFP rankings are going to start coming out, which, are, which is really, you know, the law, Um but I was actually a little bit surprised that Georgia dropped as far as they did. I mean, it's a terrible loss to an unranked team, but dropping from 3 to 10. Uh, and then we also jumped Florida, who lost to LSU. Uh, so your top top 10 right now is Bama, LSU to 2, which I love, uh, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, Oklahoma 5, Wisconsin 6, Penn State 7, Notre Dame, Florida, Georgia, rounding out the top 10. Any of that, uh, any of that surprise you? Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but Clemson's way too high. Clemson should be like seven. Yeah, I'm. I'm like I said, I mentioned quickly there. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, happy, excited. I don't know what the word is, but I'm, I'm, I'm maybe proud that the, that the AP voters actually voted to put LSU ahead of Clemson, realizing that their wins are much better, much more dominant. 
Um, the Ohio State fans are probably pissed that they, you know, dropped to four uh, instead of staying at three uh, on their bye week, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it seemed to be a little bit more true and representative than, you know, in the past where it's like, well, this team started preseason number one and they keep winning, so we're just going to keep them preseason number one or midseason number one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's, you know, it's, we'll, we'll see what happens when the CFP committee starts voting, but definitely a good sign to see, you know, that we are up at number seven. Um, obviously still some good ranked opponents on our schedule as well. Yeah, I mean, I hope when the CFP rankings come out, Clemson's not in the top five because they really don't deserve to be. Yeah, I, I don't think that would shock me all that much. Like if they're in that six, seven range, um, I, I wouldn't be super shocked. So I think we're a couple of weeks away from that. I think they start doing that in the next like maybe three weeks or so. Uh, yeah, I was, I was actually, I was going to ask you when they start doing it. It's got to be soon, right? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up because they, they, they do it towards like the last, I think, four or five weeks of the season maybe. Um, so okay. we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but a couple other quick hitters before we get into this game. Um, did you know, did you see, uh, I'm sure you saw it, it was on TV and went crazy viral, the shirts that some of the players are wearing pregame to support Jonathan Sutherland? Uh, not only did I see one, I have just ordered one Did yesterday. you? Yes, I have. I saw I saw somebody replied to one of our tweets that they're selling them. So the shirts the shirts said chains, tattoos, dreads, and we are. I fucking loved this, man. I really so apparently did. these are official champs downtown shirts. Oh, is it? My my alma mater, if you yeah, will. Yeah, okay. I did not know that. I, I saw somebody tweeting us. I didn't realize it was uh, affiliated with champs. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get one for free, but you know, whatever. That's fine, champs. I hey, understand. You know Money going, money going to a good cause. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, uh, I think what the the only thing that uh, that I, I took away from this too. One, awesome that everyone is you know in support of of Sutherland. I think I think we moved past this now. I don't think you hear as much of it moving forward. But I think it's really really awesome to see them rally around him like that. Um, and then the other piece you saw, uh, sort of the equipment staff come and like confiscate them. Uh, you know, after after a couple minutes. Yeah. I, my hope is that like. James Franklin and staff were like good with it. They knew the shirts were happening and they were like, Hey, equipment staff, let them, let them wear it long enough so that it gets on TV. It goes super viral on social media and then air quotes confiscate them so that we keep up our appearances with like, you know, our athletic directors in the NCAA. That's how I hope it went down. Yeah. I mean, apparently it was, you know, some NCAA compliance issues. Yeah. Why they had to take them. I think that's more just like keeping up appearances, though. Like, hey, yeah, we're, we're we're following the rules, we promise. But like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We got we got our message out. That's what I. Yeah, think. I hope um, so too. And the reason I hope that, or I believe that even more, is because there was another thing that went kind of viral on Jonathan Sutherland's Instagram story. I think it was the plane ride home. Coach James Franklin wearing a wig of dreadlocks, celebrating with Jonathan Sutherland. Yes, that's what makes me think that he was totally cool with these shirts. That is my coach. Let's go. Um, yeah, super excited. Uh, very, very happy the team is is so close-knit. It's, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't have a ton of notes and stuff written down for this one because um, I am traveling. So for the listeners, please, deal, please bear with me. Um, give me some slack here. I'll make it up to you in future episodes. And I hope the quality is good. Like I said, I'm, I'm going off a of hotel Wi-Fi. So let's just jump into it. Uh, we'll start with our Big Ten baller and bozo. We'll get into our line and lamb, and then break down the phases of of the game. Uh, so Big Ten baller. Um, Pat, do you go first or do I go first? I don't even remember. It is up to you. You you go ahead. I have a couple written down, so I will let you go first. Who is your baller uh, of the week? 
My baller is Jack Plummer, uh, a guy who didn't look so hot against Penn State, but against Maryland, put up 420 yards with three touchdowns, no interceptions, leading Purdue, a banged-up Purdue team, to a 40-14 to win. Yeah, he uh, he looked like a completely different guy. Um, and obviously it's two very different defenses, you know, Penn State being the second-scoring defense in the country versus Maryland to his – Maryland. Um, but yeah, I actually, I had him written down as, as a candidate as well. Just, yeah, incredible game from him. And <laughs> you know what, from, from the beating that he took from us, uh, kind of happy for him, you know, go, go get that W kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, for me, I actually have, uh, so I have another one. I have Mohammed Ibrahim from Minnesota. This is a running back. Um, I don't think he's even their main running back. I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lot of Minnesota tape. Um, he only had 15 carries, 85 yards, not that impressive, but three touchdowns. Three touchdowns yeah. on only 15. Does Maryland, yards. I mean, does Minnesota pass the ball ever? Um, 18 attempts, 13 attempts, 15 attempts. Yeah, they have a, they have quite the committee. Um, their, their QB, their QB, I think I've given him our ball at once or twice. What is it, Tanner, Tanner Morgan, I think? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they, listen. We're not we're not looking past we're not looking past any games that we have upcoming. We'll focus on Michigan, 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 Michigan. But don't look now. Minnesota's undefeated. Um, they're six and zero, man. They're six and zero, and their next three games are Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State. It is not far fetched to think that they will come into that matchup against Penn State eight and zero. Like Rutgers and Maryland is not a scary slate for a team that's doing some really good things. Uh, we're not going to focus on that too too much right now. But Muhammad Ibrahim. You are my Big Ten Baller of the Week. All, All right, we're going to move on to Bozo, and I have a feeling I know who your Bozo is. Uh, we got a tweet from uh, one of our one of our guys, Shane Lunnan, uh, basically saying that they're all waiting for it. So we know it's coming, but before we get to the obvious Bozo, do you have any other Bozos that you want to talk about? No, just the one man. Okay, I have, I have one Bozo real quick that I want to get off my chest because I need to. Um, it's, a, it's a half Bozo uh, to Maryland. Um, for losing okay. so badly per- to Purdue, and then another half bozo to me for betting them minus four. My dumb okay. brain. I, I, I honestly, I didn't bet any other games this weekend besides Penn State because again, I was driving. But it was like I don't know. I think it was Saturday morning. Um, I, I was looking at the board. I was like Maryland minus four over Purdue that we just pummeled. Like yeah, I love that bet. I love that bet. And they went out and got stomped forty to fourteen. So. Quick half bozo to Maryland, half bozo to me. That was just a really ugly loss. And speaking of uh, given points, did you see how many points we're given in Michigan? What is it like seven right now? Eight and a half. Oh jeez, that's, that's a big line right there. That's a lot. Okay, well, we will get to that as well. We we'll have a preview episode coming later this week. I want to talk about Michigan because <coughs> it's like it's already Monday. I feel like we're kind of moving past, but we're gonna focus on this Iowa game. Hey Pat, who's your uh, who's your Big Ten bozo of the week? Ah, uh, this son of a bitch, John O'Neill, and um, his crew, and his crew. This is and crew. This is one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, so let let's let's go into all the officiating and the penalties and everything right now before we even get into the game, just so we can we can hash it out. Um, I said on my instant reaction video. Um, I said, I hope that every day for the rest of his life, John O'Neill stubs his toe at the most inopportune time of his day so that any joy he has is like instantly negated by a minor inconvenience. And people told me I was being too nice 
Um, people said that it should be a much harsher I think punishment. That's pretty good. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, this is this is a referee who um, has a bit of a history with Penn State. And I'll be honest, I don't know like if he is I don't know if he has like grudges against any other teams, if he's just a really shitty referee across the board. But there's been a couple of instances now where he's pretty blatantly screwed over Penn State. It's becoming a trend. So high level. This game, uh, we have eight penalties for 80 yards. You know how many Iowa had? One penalty for five yards, I believe. One for five yards. And listen, there can be games where it's one-sided. That that absolutely can happen. We are one of the least penalized teams in the country. And then you come into a game like this and it's that lopsided. That alone is like, all right, maybe something's a little bit fishy. But then... Yeah, not to mention, I mean, the week... Last week, Iowa got penalized like eight times in a game as well. Yeah. You yeah. tell me like they're that different of a team one week away? Yeah, they're just perfect. They have one five-yarder. Um, but here, but either way, like like I said, you know that can happen. Games can be weird. A team that's normally good can get caught being sloppy. A team that's normally sloppy can get their shit together. Okay, maybe it's a little fishy. But then we get to the drive. I think everyone knows the drive uh-huh. I'm talking about. We score three different times on one drive and this motherfucker finds a way to overturn each and every one of them yeah i mean it was pretty ridiculous now i'm not gonna the holding calls fine uh at least one of them would certainly happened yeah i think so uh, I, think, I think the sequence was the first touchdown was holding journey. call Muth holding call. Yeah. So the first one was when journey Brown ran it in and that one probably was a holding. Okay, fine. Um, second one to Fryermuth. This is no joke. And I, I like, we say a lot of things with like hyperbole and, and just kind of like, Oh, it's the worst thing ever. I think this might be the worst call I've ever seen in my life. Um, Fryermuth Clifford hits him, hits him with a dart over the middle, makes a nice move after the catch dives in the end zone. Called a touchdown on the field. They go to the replay. The replay, if anything, confirms that call. And somehow they overturn it. Like, what, what was going through your mind during that? I couldn't believe it. I, like, I, I, I was like, you know, that's so close, but there's just no way you can overturn that, was what I thought. Like, it's impossible to tell if he definitely did score a touchdown. But there's no shot. There's, like, there's enough evidence to overturn that there's just no chance and even the all the announcers were saying that too it's like yeah you know it's hard to tell if anything it confirms but there's really no way you could overturn in there yes yeah, so all know. of them said that yeah and then he comes out and somehow overturns it like with, with, with just no evidence yeah and see i even disagree with that a little bit i think i think it's not hard to tell i think it's abundantly clear in the replay that his knee is still off the ground and that sideline cam, that pylon cam that shows you directly down the goal line, the, the almost the entire ball is over the white line. Like you only need the tip. You don't like just the tip, right? Funny. We're laughing. Uh, you only need to cross the plane. The whole ball is hovering over the white line. His knee is still in the air. It is one of the easiest calls, in my opinion, ever. And a lot of people, and when I say people, I'm talking about like college football analysts, the talking heads on TV, other coaches, like everyone like former coaches i mean everyone was talking on twitter about how how ridiculous that was like there has to be some sort of repercussions for this dude because that was just so so egregious um yeah 
even but, even one of the announcers during the game said, if they're taking this long to review it, that means there's not incontrovertible evidence. Yes, yes, completely agree. Um, but anyway, this motherfucker calls it calls it down. Uh, and then the next play or a couple plays later, Clifford runs it in, and there's another holding call, and that one was suspect. Um, so yeah, I think we're, I think we settled for three, right? Um, yeah, not to mention like Robert Windsor was getting grabbed all night long, all night, all night. Um, but here nor there, it's clearly a bias. Um, so some of the other Penn State accounts were, were digging up all the old uh, examples. Um, so just to run through them quick, 2012 against Nebraska, um, McGloin passed to Matt Lehman, clearly touchdown crossing the plane, very similar. Um, this was, again, uh, you know something that was, was replayed. It was ruled a fumble. That was in the fourth quarter. Penn State was trailing 27-23, to 23, so it would have given them the lead. They lose the game 32-23. Pretty, pretty unfortunate. 2014, two years later, Ohio State. Uh, Penn State's down 17-7 in the third. This is uh, where they ruled an interception after the ball clearly hit the ground. I remember this one like it was yesterday. The ball was like fully on the ground. They reviewed it, and it was an interception. Um, and that I think that's the part that, that makes this so bad is like when you – That was one of the worst calls I'd ever seen. Oh, Absolutely. But, like, if you get something wrong live and you get it wrong on the field, like, yeah, that sucks, but it's the human element of the game. We can call you shitty, we can call you you suck, whatever, but that's the human element of the game. When you bring replay into it, you watch every single angle, you watch slow-mo, you see exactly what's happening any which way you want to, and you still get it wrong? Like, you should not have a job. Like, you should not be able to impact a game like this. Because there's just so much on the line for everyone involved. You shouldn't be, you should not be on the field doing the things that you're doing. Um, which brings me to, did you see the petition that's going around? Of course I saw it. I saw it. I signed it. I love it. <laughs> so this one, uh, shout out Jordan Nepper uh, started this petition. I checked it about 20 minutes ago when we first, uh, just before we hopped on here. It was at 13,000 signatures to fire John O'Neill. Wow. That is just comical. Like, and, and he, like, I, again, the whole thing about like me hoping he stubs his toe, I will never wish actual harm on a human being. Like, I don't wish for anything bad to happen to him. But like, do I think you should be a referee in any level of football? No, I don't. So like, yeah, if this, if the NCAA has any balls, which we know they don't, they'll fire. Do I, well, think I think it's, it's a big 10, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be up to the big 10. Yeah. Cause they employ the, they employ the referee crew, but the NCAA should be able to have some push there. Right. They should be able to look at the big 10 and be like, yo, what the fuck? Get the suit out of there. Um, at the very least, I feel like Penn state should be able to like petition the big 10 to not allow him to ref our games. Yeah. And, and that's where, like, like I said, I don't really know what his history is with other schools. I don't know if he's had like, I mean, maybe he's had a lot of these controversial calls and he just sucks at replay or he's just, <laughs> He has like a, he gets off on screwing teams over. I have no idea, um, but here nor there. Like I, I, I tweeted this out, um, you know, during the game. I hate playing the game of, oh, the refs screwed us because most of the time when fan bases say that, it's like the end of the game. There's one single call that happened, and you're like, oh, if that didn't happen, we would have won. And it's like, no, you had an entire game to play better, to capitalize on opportunities, to do you know, anything to win the game. My problem with this one is it was just so damn consistent. It wasn't just the Friar move call. It wasn't just the holding calls. It wasn't just the phantom pass interferences. It was constant and consistent throughout the entire game. 
that it was just like the cards were stacked against us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like I – I don't know. I, I didn't see, like, Iowa committing a bunch of pass interferences or anything, but we were getting called for some pretty ridiculous ones. Like, the one on John Reed, I don't I don't know what happened. Like, I, I don't know if he farted too hard next to the, the receiver. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. So let, let's leave it at that. The penalties happened. Thank God. We were able to persevere. We were able to, like I said, gut out a gritty win. Um, and and that, that's it. It's a win. It's 17-12. We go into Kinnick at night, um, and we come away with a win against a good ranked team. Um, and, and that's all it is. So uh, let's jump into the actual game. Um, we will get into our lion and lamb in just a second here. Um, but an interesting stat. Did you know that this is James, Frank, James Franklin's first win against a ranked opponent on the road? I did know that, and uh, I mean that that sounds bad, but like think about the ranked opponents he's faced on the road. Pretty reasonable. Um, yes and no. I mean, there's a, there's a couple in those first. I think there's three in those first couple of years before the 2016 year when things like started clicking, and then you know the last couple of years it was the you know Ohio State, Michigan State, and then uh, I think the one at Michigan. So like, yeah, it, acceptable maybe not acceptable, but understandable. It's like, you kind of get it. But again, if you want to be, if you want to be a true competitor in the big 10, like you got to beat these teams on the road. You got to beat Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, Iowa, like Wisconsin, you have to do that. So I'm very happy that this is the first one and we get that notch on our belt. Um, because I, I think, I do think that this is like a very important win for this young team with, with everything we just talked about with the penalties with a hostile environment, with the offense being nervous at the beginning, if this game did go the other way, right, and there's like a penalty call at the end that I was able to, you know, score and walk off on us, I think that's such a morale killer. Um, it almost feels like, you know, in, in past years where we've had that close loss to Ohio State and then we go into the Michigan State game the next week and, and lose because we're just kind of flat, like I would be very scared of that happening had we lost this game. Because we won, I feel like the morale is way high. I feel like the energy is there. The motivation is there. Like, I'm excited for this team to then take that next step. You know what I mean? Yeah, those have definitely – we've had trouble rebounding from losses in past years. So – and because for the most part, they've been gut-wrenching losses. I mean, other than the two Michigan losses where we just got murdered, mm -hmm. it seems like every time we've lost since 2016 has been just like – horrendously close yeah and th and honestly i think that's what that's what that this would have been had you know we we'd been unable to pull that out but we pulled it out it's a good win let's go into our uh, our awards for the team lion and the lamb mvp who is your lion i gotta go with robert windsor on this one you fuck uh, that was my pick dude he was just an <laughs> absolute stud yeah, he was. Uh, he had six tackles with one and a half sacks. Yeah, one and a half sacks, two and a half of those tackles for losses. Uh, and, I mean, the stat line itself was impressive, but watching him in the game was just so much more impressive. I, he was constantly in the backfield. He was constantly plugging up holes on, on the line of scrimmage. Just like, They couldn't figure out what to do with Robert Windsor. And not to mention, they were cutting penalties on this guy like all night to try and stop him. And they couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that, that he was my first pick as well. Um, 
yeah, I think this is super, super important for him um, because we've, we've talked about how he's a really important part of this D-line, how, you know, playing that sort of D-tackle, nose-tackle. Historically, we've seen guys like Kevin Givens, Austin Johnson, um, some of the other big-bodied, real nose-tackles that we've had just eat up space and not really get maybe the stats. You know, they're, when Kevin Givens was eating up space, Sharif was crushing the, the sacks. When, um, you know, when Austin Johnson was eating up space, it was Zettel and Nassib getting all the stats. Like, Windsor, I think, has the talent to be that real force on the inside, and he finally showed it. Like, I mean, last last year he had seven and a half sacks. Um, this game was his first full one, and it was it was beautiful. He, he ran right through like two dudes, wrapped Stanley up, and just drove him to the ground. It was it was awesome. Um, but but before this game, he had a half a sack at Idaho, half a sack at Purdue. Um, so it was really exciting to see him kind of break out. Um, you know, he had a lot of he had a couple of interviews post game with the with the different reporters there, and he talked about how you know his technique just hasn't been where he's wanted it so far, and he's worked on it every week to get better and better, and it's finally paid off. Um, I think the most important one that he had all game was uh, the one where he rushed through and, and hit Stanley as he was throwing, led to the Jaquan Brisker interception. Like if he's not if he's not rushing and forcing Stanley to get rid of that ball, who knows what happens? Absolutely. I mean, even when like everything he did that didn't show up in the stat line was just as impressive as what did with him. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So, uh, Rob Windsor, you are a lion for this week. Um, all right, for mine, I have I have two that I can go with, but it's it's hard not to give it to this guy. It's Noah Kane, man, um, or as I like to call him, shout out to my good bud. Lee Slosberg for giving me this nickname, and we're going to go with it, Novocaine, because he is okay. numbing these defenses. Um, back-to-back 100-yard games, scores the touchdown to, to really put it away for us. It just feels different when he is on the field. It fe- I feel so much more confident in the offense when he is on the field versus the other three backs, and that is not a knock on any of them. Um I mean, he's just he's just really, really good. Uh, so we, we talked about it before. You know what? Let's let's just get into the running backs right now. Um, I was I was gonna save it till you know we get to the offense, but let's get to it now. So, what like after this game, Penn State actually did drop a depth chart today for the Michigan game, which I feel like is weird because I don't I feel like they normally do it Tuesdays. Um, but if you were making the depth chart for this week, running backs, what would your order be? Uh, Noah Kane. Journey Brown, Devin Ford, Ricky Slade. Yeah, I, I have it the same. I the, I the thing I would maybe even make even a, a little bit more distinct is I would have Noah as number one with no or next to his name. He is number one. Then I would have Journey or Devin as like the number two. And then, unfortunately, Ricky as, as the four. Um, and I'll get to Ricky in a minute. I would have Noah Kane up by himself and the rest is oars. Um, I feel better about Journey and Devin being being worse than than Ricky. Um, and we'll, and we'll look at some stats. Um, cause cause even with Devin too, like, I I, I and I, maybe it's just the youth and like the the you know jolt of life with them. But when they're on the field, Noah and Devin, I feel so much more confident in this offense. Um, Noah particularly, and and let's look at some of his numbers. So like I said, back to back games with a hundred yards, um, touchdowns in both. He is averaging. 5.4 yards per carry on the season. Do you know what his long is? I, I don't take, remember. Take a guess. Take a guess. What do you think his long longest rush is? Um, he didn't have that the 98-yard rush, did he? 
Nope. than I do. Uh, I don't know, maybe 40 yards. 27. 27, okay. So he's averaging a true 5.4 yards per carry. That is so damn good. And that's on 57 carries. This is not like it's a small sample size. He's got 57 carries, 310 yards, six touchdowns. Like that is consistent production. And like like I said before, I kind of joking about the name, Novocaine. Like I mean it though. Like he is going to wear your defense down. He may not have the flashy 85-yard run yet. I'm sure he'll get some of those eventually. But he's going to get you four yards, six yards, four yards, eight yards, 12 yards, 10 yards, four yards, six yards, and just over and over and over and over again. And that is so valuable for an offense. Like I I was hesitant in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of our, our Twitter followers writing in saying that this needs to happen. I was a little hesitant, not maybe not as much because I didn't like believe in his talent, but because I didn't think Franklin would do it um, because, you know, he's a true freshman. Maybe he needs to prove it more. Maybe he's not going to put him there in, in these primetime games. Maybe he has a little bit more loyalty to Journey or Ricky. I don't know. But like, I feel like at this point, like, I feel like you have to put him at number one. And unfortunately, the depth chart that came out today, they didn't change anything. It still says Journey, Ricky, Noah, Devin, all with oars in it. So it's not going to happen for this week. But maybe the depth chart piece is just just visuals. Because like I said, you know, Noah Kane has 57 carries. Journey has 35. Devin has 30. And Ricky has 28. So he's clearly operating as a lead back, even if he's not listed there. Yeah, I mean, he's just not starting the game. But he he's in when it's the most important for... Our running backs. I mean, when we're running the ball the most seems to be at the end of the game. And that's when he's in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so looking at looking at just a, a quick comparison, and then we'll get back to our awards and we'll switch to the lamb. Um, so like I said, he's averaging 5.4 with the long only being 27. So that's a really, really good average um, and a good representation. Um, looking at the other three backs, Journey currently averaging 6.7. But if you take away his 85-yarder, that brings him down to 4.3. Still, still pretty good. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, Devin right now averaging 7.2, but you take away his 81-yarder, he's averaging 4.6. So we're still happy, right? Um, so if you look at those three guys, Noah at 5.4, Devin at 4.6, Journey at 4.3, you're pretty happy there. Unfortunately, our guy Ricky Slade, who we do love, and I, and I want to give some love to, uh, is averaging 2.1, and his long is only 9 yards so far. Yeah, you hate you hate to see it. So I, I want to touch quickly on this. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I I love Ricky Slade. I think we are a pro Ricky Slade podcast. Um, we talked a lot preseason how we wanted him to be the number one, um, and it just hasn't happened yet. Like I said, he's only got twenty eight carries. He has the least of of the major four. Um, I don't know if it's a rhythm thing where he hasn't been able to get into the rhythm. I don't know if it's maybe a, a confidence thing because he hasn't gotten off to the hot start, but like. We've seen the flashes of what this guy can do. Um, Twitter has been a buzz <laughs> around this. I've seen a lot of people. It's funny. I've seen a lot of people tweeting like, hey, get off of the Ricky Slade hate. Like, we don't need that. We need people to be bought in. But like, I haven't actually seen anybody hating on Ricky Slade. So it's like it's like the, pe- the, the defenders are coming out and I haven't really seen the hate. Um, but then you see his, like, if you look at his Twitter, he's retweeting a lot of people who are, we're saying things like, uh, you know, Ricky's going to get his. Don't worry. Or Ricky's going to break out. Don't worry. Like, I, I think I, I think I still have faith of him being a part of this offense. Maybe he gets more action as a receiver. Shout out Sweens. 
Um, but but I don't know. What's your what's your take on Ricky Ricky Slade and his future in this backfield? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually starting to come around to Sween's point of the the, the slot receiver just because yeah. I think he's so talented that if you get him the ball, especially in space, he'll do something with it. But I he just he's been the least productive and he doesn't seem to be able to get into a rhythm at any point. I just, it's just, it's not happening for him. Yeah. And that's the tough part. Cause you do want to see him succeed. You know, he's super talented, but this will be, you know, if things continue this way, we'll be having the, the really tough conversation in a couple of weeks of like, Hey, is, is someone looking to transfer? Right. And I don't even want to go through that right now because I want to have faith in our guys, but bring it back to the original point. Noah Kane, Nova Kane, you are my lion of the week, and you should continue to get the lion's shares of the carries. All right, Love let's it. flip it. Let's flip it to the lamb. Um, you know, in a game like this, I, I felt like it was kind of hard to, to pick a lamb. I didn't really have too many guys, but uh, what'd you see? Who's your lamb this week? Yeah, I mean, no one really played like badly, yeah, is the thing. So then my lamb of the week is also John O'Neill. Yeah. By far the worst, by far the worst performer on the field, either side, uh, and everything he did seemed to kill Penn State. So John O'Neill, you're a lamb. <laughs> Fair enough. I actually like that. I think normally I'd probably call you out as a cop out for that, but I think it's in this game incredibly fair. Um, yeah, yeah. I was looking back, like I watched just as as I got to my hotel today. I just watched like the shortened version of the highlights, like maybe John Reed for giving up that one touchdown. Um, incredible catch by the dude but like john reed just didn't make a play on the ball whatsoever um so i have i have thoughts on that touchdown okay let's talk about it what do you got um so here's the thing i'm not and this this is just what bothers me about the current state of football uh it's worse in the nfl than it is in college but wide receivers and defensive backs are supposed to have the same uh rights to a ball as each other if a defensive back ever did that to a wide receiver to make a catch, like 14 flags would throw in for pass interference. I mean, that guy put his hands on John Reed's shoulders, pushed down to jump off, and then reached over John Reed to catch the ball. If John Reed was the one behind him and did that exact thing, he'd get called for a penalty so fast your head would spin. Like, these wide receivers, they they can – they can push off, they can push down on shoulders, they can grab jerseys, they can tug, they can do anything. But if you're a defensive back and you fart next to a receiver, you, flags fly everywhere. <laughs> I can't stand it. I'm starting to free the DB movement here on No Names All Game. Every week I'm coming in with a new free the DB where just the worst pass interference is called. Okay. I, I love the free the DB. Uh, I love your farting metaphors today. They're incredibly good. Uh, yes. I uh, I will have to go back and watch that one because I actually didn't notice that. Like I, when I was watching it, it, it looked like just he went over top, mossed him, and and came down with it. Uh, I, I'm not saying that should be called pass interference. No, no, I'm no, just yeah, saying yeah. that there's there's a double standard because if a defensive back ever did that to receiver, it would get called like a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I, I honestly just don't remember it. I'm gonna have to take a look. Um, but yeah, I think like Reed Reed was playing incredible coverage, running with him step for step. I don't know if he just didn't realize the ball was coming. Like I don't know if he looked up too late, but like by the time he looked up, like he didn't didn't even put his hands up. And, and again, I'm not like this isn't a real lamb. It's just I couldn't find anyone. Yeah, maybe that's because he was falling over because that guy put his hands on his shoulder yeah, and jumped yeah, off. Maybe, of him. maybe, maybe. 
so that's like a, a an honor honorable mention land if I had to pick one. Um, Tariq Tariq got beat on a couple. There was one where he fell over um, that led to a field goal. Thankfully, it didn't lead to a touchdown. Um, we held him, um, but, but he made up too. He had you know he had the interception on the two point attempt. Like I, I don't I don't have a whole lot. This was this was a real good game all around. Well, good is relative, but um, th- this isn't really the time to, to knock on our guys. I don't think. Um, all right. That being said, uh, great awards. John O'Neill, go fuck yourself. Uh, really good awards. Rob Windsor, Noah Kane, shout out. You guys are lions. Um, let's jump into that defense, man. You mentioned it. You are fully bought in on them. Uh, and I think, I think the nation is starting to be fully bought in on this team. Uh, the Penn state football Twitter account, the official one tweeted out a stat today that Penn state has held each opponent at 13 points or less through six games. That is the first time a team in all of college football, uh, I guess FBS has done that since Louisville in 2013, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, the defense was incredible. Uh, 70 rushing yards on the day is just tremendous. Uh, Nate Stanley put up a decent amount of yards, but he just wasn't productive. He, you know, one, one touchdown, one interception, and the touchdown was like half a miracle. Yep. And he actually he threw two interceptions. Just one of them happened to be on a two point conversion. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess that yeah that doesn't really get recorded in the stat line, huh? Yeah, for some reason. Interesting. But I mean, at times it seemed like they were able to move the ball, but they were never able to punch it in. Really, um, I just Iowa couldn't get anything going against this Penn State defense. I thought the defensive backs, for the most part, were tremendous. Um, if there's a weakness in our defensive backfield, it seems to be uh, like our ball skills. Like when yeah. the throw does go up, our defensive backs are not the best at going and high pointing the ball, making receivers work for it. Um, but their their coverage in general has been awesome over the, this year so far. Uh, the linebackers have, you know, y- y- you can't complain about anything going on with the linebackers, and the defensive line has just been absolutely stifling after. I wouldn't call like a bad start, but a start where we thought we might have overhyped them at the beginning of the year. Now we are so sure that we didn't. Yeah, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. Um, so yeah, we are we are second in scoring defense, giving up just eight point two points per game, which is just awesome. Um, side note on that: Wisconsin, number one in scoring defense, they are allowing four point eight points per game. That's insane. Insane. They've allowed, yeah, they've allowed 29 points all season. That's insane. Um, yeah. But anyway, Penn State defense, um, yeah, fully bought in. The, the run defense is something like I haven't seen before. And maybe maybe we've had similar numbers in years past, but it just it, it looks visually just dominating. Um, you mentioned the, what was it, 70 yards or something like that. Um, yep. But even more impressive to me is that's on 30 carries. That's 2.3 yards per rush. They are just swarming to ball carriers. And, and I mentioned it last week. I think one of my favorite things about this defense is you very rarely see the one-on-one tackle wherever it is in the field. You know, you see it here and there on a sack. You'll see it like in an open field tackle. But like anytime there's a chance for two, three, four, five, six guys to be in on a hit, they are. And I love that about this team. Um we, we made Stanley throw it 43 times. Like, that was the plan going into this game. It was shut down the run, make Nate Stanley throw, and, and you know, let him beat himself by, by throwing the interceptions here or there and by not being the best quarterback. 
Um, there were moments where we made him look pretty good on, on some of those drops. Um, and, and I agree with the coverage there. I, there are times where our coverage looks really good, where we're running step for step for guys, but there are also times where we do look out of position. And I think that amplifies some of the ball skill things where, you know, there, there was one where I think Tariq went up to make a play on a ball and he was just so far out of position that it looked super awkward. Um, but in general, I don't have a lot of problems with our secondary. I feel good about it. Uh, the brisker interception, like I mentioned earlier, uh, was was super important at that time in the game. Uh, it was fourth quarter. We were up 10-6. That leads to the Noah Kane touchdown. Uh, shout out Rob Windsor on that rush. Um, and then I think, yeah, the, the, the one of the biggest things for me was the drive that should have been a sack on their own, like, four or five-yard line that we got that penalty on. Um we got beat a few times right after that. They, they had completions of 25 yards, 11 yards, 36 yards. That looked like they were about to punch that in for a touchdown, and we were able to hold them to three. Um, and, and that is something I feel so confident about in this defense. Not even just red zone, but like even when teams are getting into Penn State territory, like across the 50, I am more confident than not that we're going to hold them to three. Like it just it feels good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brent Pry has a long time been a bend-don't-break guy. And this season, we seem to be more stifling than ever, so we're not bending quite as much. But when we do, we still manage to – it's not like, a, oh, God, they're moving. Like, it, you know, we don't know how to react. It, we still – as soon as they cross that 50-yard line, it seems like it just tightens down and everything just, just grinds to a halt. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think I, I gave it some flack early on in the season for bending a little too much, um, but I just I feel super, super confident in this defense. Um, another guy I want to give a shout-out to, Lamont Wade continues to look really good at safety. Um, he is continually involved in every single game. Uh, he's always up there in the leading tackles. He was tied for the lead this week again uh, with seven, tied with John Reed and P.J. Mustafer. Um, on the year... He's second on the team in tackles, only to Micah Parsons. That actually surprised me a little bit. I'm, that doesn't surprise me that much. I mean, he's been that involved. Yeah, so shout-out Lamont Wade, guy you know thought about transferring and, and has come back, earned his spot, and continues to prove it. Um, P.J. Mustafer, um was awesome seeing him break through. Uh, you know, he had seven tackles as a, as a defensive tackle. Uh, had a, I think he had that forced fumble, right, that Jan Johnson uh, recovered. Um just a lot of good things on this defense. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm running out of things to say. This defense is really, really good. Yeah, I think one thing about this defense that I like more than years past is that we, we've we got these guys like the Rob Windsor, um, PJ Mustafer, and even, even Fred Hansard, who are just clogging up the middle more so than in years past. And I'm loving it. And I think that's been a big part of why – our run defense has been so good this season. We're not just like a speed rushing team. We've got those speed guys on the outside, the Yeaters and the Shaka Tonys and the Jason Oways. But then we've got these big bodies in the middle just clogging up holes. And it's great to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm looking at looking at the stat sheet right now, the 71 tackles we had as a team, uh, seven of them from PJ Mustafer, six of them from Bob Windsor, your two defensive tackles. That's pretty awesome that those guys are, are making an impact in the middle there um you know can i is this a safe space can i say one thing that i that uh, me a little bit and this is so nitpicky um 
and shout out to Jaquan Brisker because he did have that interception. Something that worries me about him that I watch back a lot is he has such a tendency just to throw his shoulder rather than wrap up and make a tackle. I am worried and terrified that it's going to happen on a big play at some point. Um, so I'm putting this out in the atmosphere and in the universe right now so that it doesn't happen. Have, have okay. you seen that at all? Um, I haven't noticed it, but yeah, so that, that, that's definitely a defensive back thing. Yeah, it, and it with is. Safeties. And and I get it, but there's like there was one one in the highlights of this game that I was watching where uh, he had a clear hit on the guy and just kind of like lowered his head through the shoulder, and the guy spun right through him and got an extra couple of yards. Um, I've noticed it a couple times in past games where like there's another defender who's wrapping someone up, and like that's actually a time where it's okay to do it. I think. But there have been several times where he has like a clear chance to at least drive the guy to the ground. And it seems like he goes for the big hit a lot. So very, very nitpicky. I really don't care because he's doing a great job on it. He's making an impact as a JUCO transfer. Um, but I had to say it. And this is a safe space. So let's move on. Defense is dominant. We fucking love you guys. Um, offense. All right. So we've already talked about the running backs. Um, so I don't think we need to talk about that a whole lot. But... Offense was super nervous to start, man. You could tell in those first couple of drives, the O-line, Clifford, even the skill guys. Like, we saw some drops. We saw Cliff being real, uh-huh. real like, antsy and anxious in the pocket. Um, it was just – it was it was ugly. Like, the first first couple starts and, and I would say majority of the first half was, was really stressful. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing to me in this game was execution – what just wasn't really there. Um, and consistency also obviously wasn't there. You yeah. saw some drives where I thought we looked very good. Um, we got cheated out of a touchdown. You know, that does make a difference at the end of the day, how it looks. Um, but I actually, I liked the way that Ricky Ronnie called this game. We controlled the ball for a long time. Um, we ate clock when we needed to, uh, when, when, uh, Picking up the pace seemed to be working for us. We did that. And I actually thought he did a good job of getting us into third down and manageable situations, but ended up like drops and some errant throws by Sean Clifford. Overthrowing just kind of brought a lot of drives to halt. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Clifford's, Clifford's stat line is, is not very good for this game. He finishes 12 of 24, 117 yards and one touchdown. So, I mean... Obviously, you're happy with the touchdown. We'll talk about KJ Hamler in just a minute. Um, no interceptions, obviously a positive. But, yeah, he, he missed a lot of throws early on. And then, you know, we got we got a case of the drops again. Um, you know, you saw KJ drop an easy one early on. I think, uh, was it Jahan or was it? Uh, Jahan dropped one. It, it, was, it was, I think, I honestly, think Pat Frymuth dropped one, too. Yeah, I think, I think this was really like, hey, this is your first real road test for a very young offense. And I hate that excuse. You've heard me say that. I hate the excuse of we're young, but like the nerves were there. Like Maryland on a Friday night is not the same as Kinnick Stadium under the lights. Like it's just not. So this was their first true road test. Um, play calling, yeah. I don't. I don't have a ton of problems with it, and and it can get really nitpicky. I think uh, like the first drive. I don't know why we threw it three times. Seeing like after the first first play or first two plays, you see like. You see Cliff running for his life. You see the old line getting beat. Like, I know that those like first couple of drives are fully scripted, but come out just guns blazing, three passes. Maybe not the best call, but to be honest, if if 
if he sat there and ran it two or three times, I'd probably be sitting here and be like, why the fuck didn't you pass it? So, like, you know, there's only so much I can say there. Um, but, yeah, I think we talked about the running backs. Let's, let's get into the wide receivers, man. KJ Hamler is that dude. Like, this kid, human joystick, Superman, Air KJ, Air Hamler, whatever you want to call him, that touchdown was awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was ridiculous, that way he went up and over there. Um, and we're very lucky he didn't end up getting hurt. Yeah, that, he, that was kind of scary. Yeah, he came down on his head. It didn't look great, but, I mean, he's a warrior. Um, I loved a couple things about that play. Uh, it was obviously the leap. He leapt from, like, what, the three- or four-yard line and just went up. Um, he, he said in his post-game interview with Mitch Gerber, the Penn State Athletics guy, uh, he goes, yeah, I really uh, literally took a leap of faith. I didn't really know what was going to happen. I just went up for it. Um, just shows the athleticism for for a smaller guy. You know, we, we see him a lot as, you know, the human joystick, the small guy who can go crazy in space. He went up there with no fear, man, and, and I love that. Um, I also love that this was on a third and seven. Cliff threw a, I would say, near-perfect ball. Um, there was a defender who kind of laid out for it and, and it, I mean, it was maybe not as close as it looked on the, on the broadcast, but like just missed swatting that if Cliff underthrows that or, or, you know, throws a duck at all, that's a swat or possibly even an interception on a really, really important drive. Um, so I, I love that connection Cliff to KJ. Um, you know, it's something that they've, they've talked about. We learned about in the HBO special that they've got this, you know, really, really solid friendship that then translate over to the field. So I, I love it. Um, I think the other one, uh, that was awesome was KJ's juke on like two or three guys in the open field and somehow got a first down. Do you remember that play? Yeah, it was, it was, I unbelievable. Mean, he's, that's one of the things I love about KJ Hamler is you see so often, especially on third downs, I don't know if it's like guys don't know where the sticks are and they, they don't run their route deep enough or if that's just kind of what the defense is giving them. So they run that route there hoping they can get that extra few yards. And most guys don't get that extra few yards, but KJ Hamler always seems to be able to make the right move to get across the line and get a first down. Yeah, and this, this one was beautiful. This was, I believe it was on the drive where we had all the touchdowns overturned so unfortunately it didn't lead to to a touchdown but um this was on a second and five he catches the ball i think it was like right at the line of scrimmage um maybe even behind to be honest and there's two guys that are unblocked coming at him and a third that is fighting through a block and he just stutter steps jukes back and forth makes both guys miss runs for the extra yards and gets first down like that is something that is almost kind of forgotten in this game because of how much else went on like, that is such an important play and such an important ability. Um, and it's probably the reason you see him back on, on punt returns and kick returns is because he has that ability. Um, and it's, 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 it's always exciting to watch. Like, I, I absolutely love seeing KJ Hamler with the ball in his hands. And I love that they're making it, you know, a point to, to get it there. Um, so that's actually one other thing I wanted to talk about as far as target share. Um, so like we mentioned, Cliff had 24 attempts. Um, looking at the target breakdown, I actually, I don't really have complaints because I think it, I think it makes sense based on like what should happen. So out of those 24, KJ gets 11 targets, has seven catches and the touchdown. Like if you tell me before any game, like, hey, we're going to target KJ 11 times, he's going to have seven catches, 
going to have a touchdown. He's going to make some big plays. Like, I'm happy with that. Like, I'm very okay with that. Yeah, for um, sure. After that, Pat Fryer moved six, six targets. I love that. Like, I, you've heard me week over week talk about how he hasn't been involved enough. How he's been only brought two of them. He did only bring in two, so you got to, you know, figure out what's going there. But I love that they're trying to involve him a little bit more. Um, Dotson then with three. And then this is this is the one that I want to talk about. Justin Shorter, one target, one catch. It was a very nice catch. You know, it wasn't wasn't insane diving, but it was he was, you know, had to go to the ground to, to come up with it. And I believe it was a third down conversion. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was a big one. I want to see Justin Shorter more involved in this in this offense, man. I know I have been preaching about Pat. I, you know, you always talk about KJ. Like I understand there's only so many targets to go around, but like I don't know. It just feels like feels like we're kind of wasting Shorter at times. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where I'm not watching film on the game, mm-hmm. so I don't know if he's not getting separation, if Clifford's just not throwing the ball to him. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm to be honest with you. I'm not sure how often the kids on the field. Yeah, yeah, that's um, fair. So he did. I mean, he got hurt in the what was it Maryland game, and then he missed the Purdue game. So he he has missed some time, um, but yeah, it just it seems like he catches everything that's thrown to him. So on the yeah, air, he, he has, he's good for the one one catch a game, and it's always a good one. But yeah, which is great. Which means like, why not use him more, right? Um, yes, yeah, so you get that feeling. Yeah. So on the year, he's got eight catches for a hundred yards with a long of eighteen. Um, He's a big body guy, you know. Like we talked about, he's six four, two thirty, something like that. Um, he's a guy that you you think you should be using it as more of a deep threat. Um, so I was reading some of the message boards or, or comment sections. I forget where it was, but a couple of commenters were talking about how, and I haven't watched film to verify this, but most of the time, KJ and Jahan are lined up on the same side of the field with shorter on the opposite side. Which makes which makes sense based on the offense we run, um, and with Cliff typically looking KJ's way first, Dotson automatically kind of becomes the the number two option just because he's looking to that side of the field, which I guess makes sense. And you're you're not gonna like tailor your offense, you know, you're not gonna change your offense. Um, but yeah, I just I think I think Shorter is such a talent. I think every time he does make a catch, it's like all right, this is gonna be the time. This is where we're gonna see more of him. And like I said, I don't I don't know where you take the targets away from. Because, like, KJ, Pat, Dotson being your top three, yeah, that's probably how it should be, right? Like, I don't, want, I don't necessarily want targets coming away from those guys, um, but I would love to find a way to see Justin Shorter um, get more involved in this offense. Yeah, I just – I agree with you. I, I, I don't know where the targets come from uh, that he should be getting more of them, but it does seem like he should be getting more. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, quick spoiler alert: we'll do a we'll do a preview episode um, later in the week on Michigan. That that might might be one of my don't be surprised ifs. Uh, you see a bigger game from Shorter because I think, you know, I, I mean, I know every team does game plan to shut KJ down, but as the season goes on, you know, you play some better teams, you're gonna see more of that where where teams are able to maybe take him away a little bit. Uh, and, and I'm hoping maybe that's where you see Justin Shorter explode. So, yeah, good game there. I'm happy to happy to see some of our guys get involved. Uh, let's finish up the offense with the O-line. What were your thoughts on your beloved offensive line? Uh, there were some bad moments, but overall I thought they played well, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, Iowa had, what, how, how many How many times did we get sacked? Twice? Three times? Three sacks. Three sacks. Uh, I mean, that's more than you'd like. Um, but to be honest, for a pretty good defensive line, 
that's not that bad. Um, the run game was pretty good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I it's, can't really complain about that. Only three and a half, uh, basically three and a half yards per carry. Eh, not great. But I, I thought for the first, I, I guess you could call this the first big test of the year for the offensive line. Didn't go poorly. Yeah, I'm I'm super conflicted because like if you look at the numbers, it's not the bad. consistency is it's the not problem. Bad. I, yeah, and honestly, dude, three sacks, like two of them were the first two plays of the game. Like Cliff got sacked yeah, on the first true. two plays of the game. The third sack came on the first drive of the second half. Like those were the only sacks. Like I'm actually pretty okay with that. Um Rashid Walker, our left tackle, red shirt freshman, had a Full task trying to block AJ Epineza, who will be a top ten pick in this upcoming draft. And he didn't do poorly. He, I mean, I mean, he was getting pushed around and beat up, but like he kept coming back, man. And like I think I, one sack, one tackle for loss. Yeah, like I can't he, hate that. No, but Epineza, as a redshirt I mean, freshman. No, no, of course, Epineza was in the backfield a lot. He was there for the hurries. He was, he was, he was a force to be reckoned with. But again, like I, I, I think that's going to happen regardless who your left tackle is. Um, I think that was really important for Rashid Walker, though. Like, yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna take your licks that game. You're gonna get beat a whole lot. Um, the one holding call that he got called for, I think, was bullshit. Um, but I think that's really important for his growth process to go up against a real elite talent like that. Um, and we'll see some more of that. Michigan has has you know a decent defensive line. Ohio State has an incredible defensive line. It's like it's gonna need to get better. Um, and I really don't want to be negative on this one, so I'll wrap it up kind of quick here, but. I think one of the challenges with the O-line is we continue to see the stats that look good enough. Well, hey, we ran the ball we ran the ball pretty well, so that must be the offensive line is good. Well, we didn't get sacked that much, so that must be okay. Again, you look back and you watch it, and I almost wanted to talk about this on – shit, I don't remember what game it was, but remember the game I said I'm not even going to talk about it? I had a whole section on them. I watched, again, these highlights, and I was watching just the five-minute clip highlights, not even the extended version. There are so many plays, especially in pass protection, where they just stop blocking. Like the first two sacks on Cliff, at least three of the five O-linemen just stopped because they thought they had done, like I'm guessing they thought they had done their job and like they either thought the ball was out or they thought Cliff had escaped, and it led to sacks. Like you can't give up on plays. You just can't do it. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there. Also, I would say there was one sack uh, that I think might have been AJ Epinesa that was kind of Clifford's fault. He just kind of stepped right up into him at the beginning of the yeah. game. That's yeah. that second sack. Yeah, and, and Cliff definitely was a little uh, you know happy feet in the beginning and, and didn't didn't settle into the pocket as well as he did. But I think, like I said, I, I'm I'm still concerned about this O line. Like I'm happy we won. I'm happy things are going well, and I'm happy they're going to continue to improve. But yeah, if you're ever uh, if you're ever feeling what's what's that word for like when you enjoy pain, um, masochism. Know. Yeah, that's the one. If you're ever feeling like that, just go watch some of these. Like, really, br- like I literally today I, I clicked play, and then rewound, play, rewound, play, rewound, and watched each of the five linemen on that play. And man, it's just it's a little discouraging. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll wrap up with hey, only three sacks. Two of them were the first two plays of the game. For the rest of the game, they held pretty damn strong against the very talented front four. So O-line, we did good enough. We got the win. I love you guys as people. I really do. Let's keep moving forward.
Um, all right, let's wrap up with special teams. Uh, this was this was the other guy that I was thinking about giving my line to. Um, had to give it to Noah Kane, but Blake Gilligan with his best game, at least of this season, maybe in two seasons, man. He was yeah. he was awesome. I even got a shout out from uh, Portnoy, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports uh, president, founder. Um, I'm a fan of Portnoy. I don't know. I don't know where you stand on him. I, I'm a big Barstool guy. I enjoy. I know he's got the whole thing against the Penn State Dean going on. Um, I, I I like him, man. He is like even if you don't like the times that I don't like him, like he's very he's just himself all the time, and like I don't know. I think it's hilarious. Um, but he had a tweet about uh, he's like, is it just me or is it uh, that Iowa? Is constantly starting in the, within their own twenty yard line, or own ten yard line, and, and Gilligan like quote tweeted it like, "I hate to see it," which I thought was awesome. Yes, phenomenal tweeting by Blake Gilligan. Yeah, so Blake Gilligan Gilligan actually gets a uh, Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, so he had seven punts, which of course is more than you would like to see, but five of them inside the twenty, three of them inside the ten. Um, and that's just that's a weapon, man. You remember back to 2016, we talked about how how much of a weapon he was and how he was just booming balls, pinning guys deep. And especially when you have a dominant defense, if you're making your opponent start within their own 10, within their own 20, that is so fucking valuable. And I hope this was a big turning point for Plague because it, it's just so it's so awesome when he's on and we know that that's going to be a win. Yeah, I. It, it, you could see just what a difference it made in this game. And even though I thought we didn't do a great job capitalizing on when we left them within the five-yard line, like just having to start from there is such a difference maker. Yeah. And you're going to see, I think at some point in this season, if he continues to play like that, you're going to see a safety or two. Yeah, oh, definitely. I was hoping for some in this game. <laughs> it seems like every time we had backed up, there was either a penalty or they'd finally break one run for more than three yards. Um so yeah, special teams was good. Um, you know, his his average was forty two point one for this game. He had a long of sixty two. That one was awesome, booming punt. Um, Pinnegar one for one from thirty three. Nice. You know, nothing nothing crazy there, but happy uh, happy he hit that. Um, I think Stout had a pretty good game. Honestly, I don't, I don't recall a ton. Um, oh oh, one thing about Pinnegar, I forgot. This was gonna be one of my other Big Ten bozos. Fuck, I forgot. Um, all right, uh, rewind. New Big Ten bozo. Uh, someone on Twitter named Katie Miller at Kate's, yeah. Cla- Kate's Clara. I saw this. Tweets, yes, Penn State won, parentheses, with a fake touchdown. What the fuck does that mean, by the way? What fake touchdown did we have? I guess she's saying KJ was out of bounds. Oh, that. I'm not even going to entertain that. Uh, she said, yes, Penn State won, parentheses, with a fake touchdown. But I just want everyone to know that their kicker cheated off all my psych tests in high school. And then does like the shrug emoji. Like, first of all, is that your moral victory? <laughs> like, what? Um, and then Pinnegar quote tweets it, got a big mad uh, laughing emoji. I'm sure you feel a lot better after letting that out, though. Enjoy that, L. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved how he came back at her. I love, dude, our punter and our field goal kicker just dropping bombs on Twitter. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you got... Great, great tweeting about the special teams this week. Incredible. Incredible. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this game. Um, I said, I know we're a little bit late, but it is a 17-12 to 12 victory. Probably could have been like a 24-25. Um, I don't know how you get to 25, but you know, my, could have been a 24-28-ish. Uh, I think we could have put up those points had 
that one touchdown, then called a touchdown, uh, had some momentum going on our way. Um, you you uh, advance again in the stats of our betting. Um, you know, we both cover with the Penn State minus three and a half, four and a half, whichever you had. You taking the under, gain another point. Um, that's right, I'm, baby. I'm never going to take the under. Like, I know that's boring. I know you guys are going to know my pick every week. I'm just never going to do it. So was there was I confident in a blowout? Yes. If you gave me this option to bet this game a hundred more times, I'd take the over a hundred more times. I have no shame. Um, but congratulations on your win this week. Do you have any last words for the fans? I love taking the under. <laughs> it's that's a crazy, <laughs> that's a psychopath lifestyle. I don't know how you do it. Like, congrats! I'm very happy that you're winning. I have no Dude, idea how you do it. Taking the under is my favorite bet. It's next next to Penn State. It's my favorite bet. You're rooting for less points. That's awful. Um, yes, I love it. I love when teams don't score points. You just I love a good defensive battle. Big Ten football, run the ball, run the ball, punt, run the ball, run the ball, punt. No, uh, no, not necessarily. I just love seeing defensive players make plays. Sure, whatever helps you sleep at night. Uh, all right, well, thank you guys for listening. Big hits. I love them all. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I'm going to ignore everything that Pat's saying right now. Uh, appreciate you guys checking this out. Share it. Tell your friends. Um, we'll have a preview episode later in the week since this one is, is already dropping a little late. Um, it'll probably be a, a super short one. We'll keep it kind of concise for you guys going into the weekend. Um, but yeah, thanks for all the support. As always, 6-0 whiteout this week. I'll be there. If you guys are going to be there, uh, tweet at me. I will be there uh, with my younger brother. First time back on campus in like five years. Hit me up. Would love to meet you, some, some of you guys. And uh, yeah, let's go get another dub. We are.